you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope that this broadcast is finding you well. We're honored that you're allowing this to come across your radios and, and different places, your computers at work. I, it's just fun sometimes to kind of think about where folks are, Kevin, when they're listening to this broadcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, it's fun to, to think about where I'm at when I'm here on the phone with you. And I look forward to sitting in your home someday or at your office doing these broadcasts. But, you know, right now, um, it's cool to look out and think, wow, I wonder if someone in Vegas might be listening. I know you were able to lead those people to the Lord after that terrible shooting. And, uh, you know, I wonder if there's someone in this town that's just tuning in. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be a pretty cool thing? I think it is. And, you know, I got to go back and look at my last athletics cost money, but I, I, I used to run athletics every two months. I think I paid for a year's worth and athletics are, we know it's Apple uh, going out and looking at the numbers and things of that nature. And I'm always amazed at you folks in Nepal and China and Vietnam and uh, wherever you may be. We're just always amazed that you're out there. Thank you. Thank you so much. And all of you in America sitting right down the road from us around the corner. And uh, it's, it's just it's just great. It's just a great blessing. So today we had mentioned we, we've done a lot this week as we're, you know, winded down from narcissism. We're on what I like to call the other side of narcissism, where we're trying to find help and how we come out of these things. And uh, we started this week on Monday talking about how to get new friends and be friendly and things of that in nature. And those of you who aren't in a good local church to get in one is uh, the second one we talked about there on Tuesday. And then yesterday we spoke, we spoke about respecters of persons and uh, how important it is that, you know, God expects us to treat everybody and respect everybody the same way, no matter the gold, the raiment, the way we're dressed, uh, the way we act, the schools we went to or anything like that. God says, they're all my children. I, I sent my son to die for every single one of them. And Christ looks on it. I died for all of them. You know, the truth is that uh, Christ died for Putin. Uh, Christ died for Saddam Hussein, who didn't receive him at the end. He said, Allah is the only God, just before they uh, hung him, and they had shined up the rope and turned it into glass and actually decapitated him. A friend of mine was there taking pictures, just terrible, and he denied the true and living God. But today we want to talk about what God expects from us, and I want to be all in. I want to be all in. Um, I, I know over in Micah six, eight, he that has showed me, oh man, what is good and what that the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly in thy God. And, you know, I look at that verse and, and it highlights the importance of just doing what's right, showing kindness, showing, you know, godliness should come out from in us, having compassion on others and, you know, showing people humility and, and, uh, and, and there's more, you know, there's, you know, that we go out and share our faith with others, but right off the back, I think there in Micah, where we're, we're reminded that we're to do justly, to love with mercy, to look out for people, to care for people, Kevin, right up front, God wants us to be different. Yeah. You know, what a, what a topic. So when we talk about the idea of, uh, what, what does, I forget how you put it originally, what does God expect? Um, you know, the, we, we have a savior 
who has the only right view of these things. And I'll be honest with you, anything short of me seeing someone through God's eyes, through Jesus' eyes, I am not going to have, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to err in my view of, of whether or not to accept them. And, uh, and I used to really err a lot on the side of truth and I err more on the side of grace now. And, and it's, and it's not to take anything away from the truth, but, you know, grace gives opportunity for a person to come to the truth rather than cuts them off before they have the opportunity. So, um, it really helped me. And, uh, you know, we talk about narcissism. Narcissism is, uh, and God had to root some of that out of me. Narcissism is, is one of its hallmarks is performance-based acceptance. You have to live up. And uh, there are people probably listening here that have a narcissistic parent or are a narcissistic parent or were raised by narcissistic parents. And you were viewed as an object, you know, kind of a pawn to, to, to use out in public, um, you know, that you're there, you're their trophy and the parent is the winner and, uh, the parent will never make mistakes and nothing you do is good enough. And, you know, it's just this constant having to perform. And I know I've, I've pastored people who, um, were raised with narcissistic parents and that you could just tell they were so, you know, they call it PBA. They were so performance-based acceptance in their mindset that they had trouble really believing that God could be happy with them. Um, but you know, I was, uh, had the privilege two years ago, less than two years ago to be up in, um, a church in Alaska, great church. And, um, that, that church, uh, I, I, it was such an encouragement to be in. It was, it was, there was funness about it. And there was two, uh, people at the helm, the, uh, the pastor and the assistant pastor, the assistant pastor was being, you know, groomed to take over two different personalities. One was hilarious. One was more, uh, serious, but both of them worked together and bat off each other to, to really make a great, healthy church. But I asked the assistant pastor, what is it about your church that makes it so healthy? And it's just always going out and doing things for God. And there's a good testimony. And, and I said, yet there, you, you don't feel like you're under the judging eye of man here. You feel like you're alone with God. And he said, yeah, our church doesn't preach that God's always mad at his kids, you know, <laughs> and that God doesn't want to save the lost unless they, you know, prove worthiness through, you know, the, enough faith or something. The, the idea was that, um, that Jesus Christ is, you know, he pay, he really did pay the price. He really did satisfy the father. And when God looks at his son, he says, I am, you know, I am well pleased. He is my well-beloved son and people that set their love upon him. The father says, I am totally happy with where you're at right now. Now let's get on with it and be more like Jesus. And that, that was just an exciting place to be because of the, uh, uh, yeah, the fact that they had a God that, uh, that wanted to accept people and, but it was took Jesus and it took the Holy spirit working in the people of God to, to bring them to you know, the next stage. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, you and I have spoke before brother Kevin about people we know who are just sarcastic in their preaching and always throwing 
you know, some hanging Chad kind of thing out there where na, 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 you know, and God tells you to do that. And they give you that weird smirk, you know, the kind of person that you have to say, God, please take from me the spirit of wanting to stand up and punch that person right in the nose, you know? And we, we know those people we've seen them and, and God always gives us grace and forgives us when we seek that. Uh, but I think it's so important. I love the story of the churches there in Alaska and you know, it's the main thing. What is the main thing? You know, Matthew 22, 37, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all their heart and all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first greatest commandment. And the second is thou shall love their neighbor. And we, we, we've talked about this already, but that's the main thing. You know, what's the main thing? And, and I think it's so important that as we heal and we come out of things that we remember the main thing. Years ago when I was an Army recruiter, we used to have, uh, and this is back in the 80s, we would have these calls and they were set up through, you know, like AT&T home phones. It was for wireless and all that. And we would have these conference phone calls where they had a machine that could get like 20 people on a phone call at a time. And about once a week, they would call up and they'd say, what's the main thing and then they, and everybody would get wound up put people in the army get our army up to strength and go out there and show the army put the army in our community and and i mean we'd get wound up almost to a frenzy you know we'd be we'd be like army army all right be all that you can be you know i mean we're running around the office bouncing off of walls and and things of that nature but i'll tell you there's one thing that those phone calls did for us is they reminded us of what our job was, what the main thing was as an army recruiter. And the main thing as an army recruiter was to recruit people to join the army and to let people know in the community what the army is all about. And, and sometimes it was hard. I, I can remember someone said to me, they said, Doug, well, how do you get people? You're putting so many people in. And, and I had to give them the secret when I got moved to be a recruiting instructor, which they pick uh, uh, less than one one hundredth of a percent of a recruiter will be a recruiting instructor. The numbers are just not that big. And this guy called me up and said, Doug, how'd you put so many people in? And I would open up the white pages and I'd start in the A's and I'd call up and introduce myself and say, hey, I'm Doug. I'm the local army recruiter. I'm the army in your community. Let me know if I can answer any questions for you. And most of the time, it was just a, a frivolous, crazy 10-minute conversation. But every once in a while, it's like, hey, I got a son. Uh, would you come talk to him? Or my daughter, she needs something to do in her life. Would you come? And uh, it's amazing when we just step out to do the main thing. Mm. The main thing. Folks, we'll be right back. Hang with us. return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Be all that you can be <laughs> in the army, but, uh, <laughs> You know, folks, as, as I was looking at that and as we go back to Kevin, the, the truth of the matter is, is every single day we got to think about what God has for us that day. And we started talking about showing mercy. We started talking about being humble with God, walking with God, highlighting, studying the word of God, uh, loving the Lord thy God with all our heart. What does it take today for me to be the person that I need to be? What is it that God wants for me? Kevin, we're back at you. 
Yeah, I think that God is looking, you know, it says his eyes run to and fro across the earth, looking for someone whose heart is perfect toward him. And, you know, a heart that is perfect does not mean a life that is perfect. A heart that is perfect is going in a direction that is toward the Son of God. You know, Abraham, when he climbed up the hill, and and if I can use the term, he impressed God because he's God's response to climbing the hill with his son to sacrifice the dearest thing to him. Abraham was not a great, perfect man going up the hill, but his heart was perfect toward him because he said, okay, God, I, this is what I have, and it's yours. You know, the widow's might that caught the attention of Jesus and catches our attention today. Jesus said, Hey, come and look at this woman to his disciples. Do you see what she's doing? You know, he's calling attention. These are the things he looks at. This is what he is desiring. He's not desiring perfect people because he's not going to get them. What he's desiring is people whose heart is, is going in the right direction. You know, I, uh, just this morning, Doug, in my, in my devotions, I was looking at the attitude of Jesus. So when Jesus did the quote triumphal entry, you know, we just had Palm Sunday celebrating, looking back at the triumphal entry. Do you realize that the triumphal entry was a huge misunderstanding? These people were looking for a king. And as he was coming down from the Mount of Olives, the people that watched his miracles and 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 saw Lazarus raised from the dead and so forth, they were gathering there saying, hey, this guy, this is our superhero. This is Spider-Man. This is the king. You know, he's on his horse and he's a, 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 a pony. Yeah, donkey. And and so as he was coming in, um, I was reading that like, wow, you know, he could have just stopped and said, hold everything, guys. Y'all know I am not even what you think. I am not going to come and take charge of this temple and and set up my kingdom. In fact, when he came and saw the temple, he said, this is disgusting. And he went back out for the night and then came back in the next day and cleaned it. And made everyone mad and brought a crucifixion upon himself, which paid for our sins. Hallelujah. But the idea is that uh, Jesus' attitude, not only did he not stop it when the Pharisees said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. They were really upset, by the way, at his popularity. And even though the popularity was short-lived and and whatnot, Jesus' response to the Pharisees was, this is precious. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And uh, and then the next verse, he's weeping over the city. But, you know, as people were being critical and had this, they aren't good enough. These kids aren't. They don't know what they're praising. These these humans, you know, we're we're better than that. The sovereignty of God is is so much above what these what these uh, you know plebes, what these peasants are saying. That you know, he should just stop and put an end to it and set everything straight. But no, Jesus said, "Hey guys, I am excited. If these kids wouldn't scream, if the people weren't going nuts, the rocks would." And he just looked at the bright side and he's like, you know what they're doing and, you know, they're doing the best they could, if I can put it that way, or they're responding the best to their understanding. 
And he did not shut it down one bit. Now he shut down the sin in the temple and he shut down the Pharisees. But I, I just, uh, I think about attitude, brother. I mean, isn't attitude, everything, you know, performance-based acceptance. The opposite of it is, Hey, you know what? Uh, these people are going in a good direction and I, and I, I want to encourage it. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I, you know, they used to say in the army, attitude is your altitude you reach in life or you're reaching the army. And that was certainly true over and over again. These people had, a, I can get it done. Uh, you know, people would come up to you, you'd give people things to do. And as a guy who gave a lot of orders in the army, it was amazing. The responses you would get, you'd go up to somebody and say, now private, I need you to do this or Sergeant, I need you to do this or first Sergeant, I need you to do this. And, uh, there were some that would go back and go, who Sergeant major, it's done. I'm on it. And then there were others who come back and say, isn't somebody better trained to do this? Or other people would say, is that really necessary? Well, I got to tell you, there's an attitude. Uh, that changes lives within the pews. There's an attitude that changes lives and families. There's an attitude. I'm, I've seen people start nowhere and, and God completely turn them into these spectacular community people who can knock on doors and everybody wants to invite them in, who can go in a restaurant and everybody knows who they are, who can shake a hand and hug somebody who's the first person, somebody dying in the church wants to come visit them. Folks, it does matter who we are. It does matter that we follow God. And when we, when we love our Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our minds, with all our souls, things get different. You know, all of a sudden we, we want to serve our fellow man. We're not respecters of them. We do it because of God. And, uh, as army recruiters, I told you, we'd sing, be all that you could be. We'd get all wound up and talk about what the army could do for people. And, and I'll tell you, there was, there was a lot of truth. It was all truth. I never lied to anybody. I'd say, listen, if you go in the army, you can get out and use that money, go to college, graduate, change lives. And, and, and man, you're not, it's unbelievable what you'll be able to do. And I, I've kept up. There's about a hundred people I was, that I recruited in the army that I'm friends with on Facebook today. And I could tell you about 60 or 70 of them all graduated from college, all did what they said they were going to do and became leaders in their community and stuff. It, it's, you know, what does God expect for us to have mercy, to care about people, to love him with all of our minds, our hearts, and soul. And uh, I want to tell you another story about a guy. This guy retired from the Navy. He was a Naval Academy graduate and jobs were hard. It was about 2008, nine, somewhere in there. And, and I mean, it was just real hard to get a job. And they were having, uh, I think it was 2009, they were having buying back cars and because you had to drive little cars or electric cars. And you could sell it. If you had a junk in your backyard, you could put tires on it and have it towed to the nearest dealer and the country would give you $2,500 for it. It's a great country. But anyway, mm. <laughs> anyway, there were junkyards that were dragging cars up to dealerships. But, <laughs> but anyway, as long as they were gas guzzlers. But this guy gets out of the Navy, and you would think that a guy that was a Naval Academy graduate, that a guy went over to Oxford and graduated from one of those colleges with his master's degree, he was a Rhodes Scholar. He retired from the Navy as a captain and could not get a job. He got sick of sitting at home, so he went down to 7-Eleven. They hired him as a store manager. I'm here to tell you, there were people at church, there were people in the community talking about, can you believe what so-and-so did? He took a job as a store manager at 7-Eleven. He went to the Naval Academy. Folks, I want you to know, if you look up the executive vice president of 7-Eleven, I believe it's in St. Louis or Kansas City, Missouri, you'll see my dear brother out there, a Navy veteran, retired as a captain. His attitude was right with God. Six months later, he was in charge of seven stores. One year after that, 70 
One year after that, the entire East Coast. Today, and that was 2009. Today in 2023, he's the executive vice president. If you go look at his earnings, somewhere around $9 million last year. He's a godly man, never misses church. And you say, well, Brother Doug, what was different about him? He loved his God with all his heart, all his mind, and all his soul. And he said, you know, God, I'm just going to be merciful and compassionate. I'm going to trust you and believe what you have for me. And I'm going to make a difference. That's what it's all about today. That's what we're talking about. We're all in. We're all in for God. What, you know, what does God expect from us? Well, he wants it all. He wants us to love him with all of our yeah. minds, all our hearts, and all our souls. And Kevin, he wants us. He wants us to be merciful and compassionate. Boy, this time just flies by. But listen, we're coming back tomorrow, and we're hopping into humility. One of the things that happens is as we start getting better, as we start serving, sometimes we lose our humility. We'll be back with that tomorrow. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.